Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Greetings to you, our listeners. My name is Roger Zatwebembire, the director of the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. We have been dealing with some very interesting series entitled, What Did Jesus Mean? Please notice I am not saying, What Did Jesus Say? We know what Jesus said because we can read the scriptures. We can see what he taught, we can see what he preached, we can see a lot of what he shared with his disciples. What we are always not very sure about, however, is what did Jesus really mean by what he said? And as you can imagine, that's an interesting question. Probably you had not thought about it before, but it is a very, very critical question to address. We have so many churches today, so many religious groups that claim to be Christian, that have come up and looked at the words of Jesus, and some have misinterpreted them, others have misrepresented him, others have misapplied them, and the result of those distortions is deception and destruction. Whatever concerns Jesus is really of extreme importance, because Jesus is at the center of the Christian faith. What that means is that when you get it wrong on Jesus, whether on who he is or what he is or what he has said, you ultimately get it wrong on the whole of Christianity. What happens when I misunderstand Jesus in his teaching? What happens when I misapply the words that Jesus has spoken? The danger is great. The destruction is imminent. And therefore, knowing the importance of this question, it is very important that we ask ourselves, especially as we look at some of those difficult yet powerful statements that Jesus has made. You will agree with me that Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived, that he was a man who spoke with power, authority, and wisdom, that even the great religious teachers of the day, educated in the law of the day as they were, They all concurred and said, never before has a man spoken so powerfully and so wisely like this man, Jesus Christ. Indeed, he was a wise man. Indeed, he was a great teacher and great communicator. But some of those words or statements that Jesus has made are very difficult to understand that the, most of the people have approached them with uh, uh, great bias and some of them find them to be controversial. And as you can imagine, a lot of damage has been done by people who have either misunderstood what Jesus meant or misapplied what he meant with gross consequences for those who have listened. So today we want to look at one of those verses or one of those passages where we find a statement that should cause us concern and seek to find out what that really meant. And this passage is what we find in John chapter 9. John chapter 9 is a story where Jesus heals a blind man who was blind from birth. Now listen to what the passage says. As he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. 
Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So there it is. That's the passage. And the question here is, what did Jesus mean when he said the blind man was born that way so that the works of God might be displayed in his life? What does Jesus mean? Do we have people who are born blind or born with disabilities so that the works of God may be displayed in them? And what are those works anyway that Jesus is talking about? And why would a man be born blind so that the works of God much later in his life might be displayed in him? Doesn't that sound a bit unfair that some people can be born with disabilities or specifically born blind simply because God has a purpose to display his works someday in their lives? Can you imagine if you were in this blind man's shoes, that you were born blind until your old age you have never seen the light of the day, and one day you wake up and you hear somebody teaching saying that the reason you were born blind, the reason you've been blind all those years is so that the works of God might be displayed in your life. For starters, you might want to ask yourself, what are those works that were so important for God to do later in my life that he would cause me to live blind all these years? Maybe you would even be asking yourself, how fair is God to make me blind so that he can do his own things really? Is it fair that I should pay the price for whatever works he intended to do through me someday? The question indeed raises lots of questions. The passage raises lots of controversies, and as you can imagine, so many people have misunderstood them, and their conclusion has been God is not fair in how he deals with His human, the human beings he has created. Some other people have concluded that maybe Jesus got it wrong. This is one of those passages in scripture that was not inspired. Others in trying to defend Jesus have drawn a conclusion that these words were really never said by Jesus. They were just added into the Bible at some later stage. There are so many theories that are being paraded to try to explain away this passage. But it is very important as we look at this passage to remember that the Bible is the word of God. The inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God that must be upheld without error that must be upheld as the word of God, living and true and relevant for all matters of life. That what we find in the scriptures is indeed what is inspired by God and indeed what Jesus said. When we don't understand certain passages in the Bible, it does not mean that they are not inspired or somebody inserted them there later. It simply means that we do not understand them and we need to find a way. Use Bible interpretation skills and find the meaning of those Bible passages instead of quickly and conveniently explaining them away and getting them out of our Bibles. And this is one of those passages that you wish you could throw away or you wish you would one day be told it was not inspired. But guess what? It is the word of God. It is part of inspired scripture. 
and therefore must be taken for what it is. And instead of trying to defend it or to excuse it, we instead should try to understand what it actually means. So if we can go into it right away, what did Jesus really mean? Well, for starters, the passage begins with some assumed bias. The disciples have come to a conclusion that if this man is blind, either it is because he sinned in his lifetime or his parents sinned when this man was young. The background of understanding this passage is to go back into Jewish history and culture to help us understand why Jesus' disciples draw such an outrageous conclusion concerning this man's situation. It is important that we understand that in Jewish culture and philosophy, there was a belief that if somebody experienced some misfortunes in his lifetime, it simply meant that either he it was because he sinned or it was because his parents had sinned before he was born. So they believed that physical defects especially, blindness, paralysis, deafness, dampness, those physical disabilities, they believed that these were most especially caused by prenatal sin, or sin that is committed before somebody's birth, but not before conception. So they believed that if a woman was pregnant, for instance, and worshipped in a heathen temple, that woman would have committed some serious, grievous sin, and the effects of that sin would be seen in the child who would be born by that woman. The Jews viewed the fetus as having committed that idolatry as well if the mother went into a heathen temple to worship when she was pregnant. In fact, one Bible scholar commenting on Jewish thought has said that certain special sins in the parents would result into specific diseases in their offsprings, and one is mentioned as causing blindness in children. So if a child was born blind, in Jewish thinking, it simply meant that the parents had committed some specific horrendous sin, and that is why the disease, the sickness, or the disability was being made manifest in their offspring, that is, their children. So when the disciples saw, that this man who had been born blind, their assumption was either that his parents had committed some grievous sin, or perhaps when he was in the womb of his mother, the mother had visited a pagan temple. No wonder they concluded that the man was born blind, either because of his personal sin or the parents' sin. Now, to their surprise, Jesus says neither of those is true. Jesus says that it's not because of the man's sin and nor is it because of the parent's sin. Which must have confused the disciples and left them wondering, wait a minute. So if it is not either of these two people being responsible for this man's blindness, then who is it? We've never heard of a third alternative. We've always known that disabilities come from sin. And it is either the sin of the disabled person or the parents who gave birth to him. So Jesus, if you are saying it is neither of those those conclusions, then what is the third alternative? And to their surprise, Jesus says, actually, this man's blindness is the work of God. Huh? How can blindness be the work of God? 
How can such a misfortune upon this man be God's orchestration? And you know, many times one of the challenges we face as Christians today is that when we come to the subject of suffering, usually the immediate conclusion is that Satan must be in play here. We tend to think that anything bad or anything evil or anything painful, it must certainly come from the devil because God is a good God and therefore he cannot cause problems. And sometimes we forget especially what we find in the book of Job and how his problems come about. That Job does not go through suffering because Satan is powerful. Instead, Job goes through suffering because God has allowed the suffering. He has allowed the devil to make Job to suffer, and he has even set the parameters or limitations as to how far the devil can go in seeking to harm Job. There is that aspect of Christian theology that we need to understand. That even when suffering comes from the devil, the devil does not bring suffering in and of himself. It, he can only go as far as God will allow him. So if you think about it, at the heart of everything we go through is a sovereign God, who sometimes for reasons beyond our understanding allows both the good and the bad to work for our good, but even more importantly to his glory. And this blind man's situation is a case of sovereignty in display, sovereignty made manifest, sovereignty at work, that God allows a man to be born blind so that at a later stage in his life he might do or display his works in him for all to see. In other words, Jesus is saying, This man has been born in this condition so that when God finally sets him free, everybody will know that indeed there is a powerful, miraculous God at work. In other words, when you think about this passage critically and reflectively, actually it seems to be asking a question that quite often we don't ask ourselves. What is the purpose of miracles? Why does God heal us? Why does God perform supernatural signs and wonders? And again, this is a very misunderstood area in Christian teaching that quite often when we think about miracles, we think about them as end results. We think about them as ends in in themselves. Until we come to the testimony of scripture and we actually realize that the Bible does not talk about miracles as an end in and of themselves, but as a way of showing something much greater. No wonder in scripture, especially in the gospel of John, John calls miracles signs and wonders. And the reason he calls them signs is because John understands that miracles are not an an end goal. Rather, they are a means to something greater and something bigger. You will notice that for almost every miracle performed in the Bible, it does not stop there. It always leads to something more. It always shows a much bigger reason or lesson that was intended beyond just the physical healing. For instance, think about this miracle in John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. These people gather around him. They are very hungry. They've been listening to him the whole day. His disciples come to Jesus and they say, Master, would you please provide something for them to eat? And how does Jesus respond? He prays for the five fish and uh, rather the two fish and five loaves of bread and miraculously feeds them. 
beyond what they could eat for the day until there is even a remaining of about 12 baskets. The next day, people come to Jesus and they say, Master, Lord, where have you been? We have been searching for you everywhere. And what does Jesus say? I know you are not looking for me because you love me or you want to obey my teaching. I know you are looking for me because yesterday you came, you ate, you were fed to your fullness, and now today you have even come for more. And then he says, do not look for bread that perishes. Do not look for physical bread that you eat and you get hungry. That's why you are back. Yesterday you ate, you were full, but now you are hungry. Physical bread has its limitations. And then he brings out that key lesson that was the whole purpose for the miracle in the beginning. And he says, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats of me will not hunger anymore. What is Jesus saying? The day before he performed the physical miracle, fed them on physical bread, delicious at that, they enjoyed it, they were satisfied, they went home, but they became hungry again. They come back for more bread that they are used to. And now Jesus using that bread as an example of who he is or what he wants them to learn. He says, I am the bread of life. Now you know what bread tastes like. You know what it does in a person's life, especially in satisfying his hunger. Now he says, now you need more than what is physical. You need me, spiritual bread, the bread that you eat and you will never go hungry again. The bread that wells up into eternal life. So what is John trying to say by capturing that miracle in John chapter 6? That Jesus' intention in performing the miracle was not to feed the hungry. After all, there had always been hungry people and there would always be after Jesus had come and gone. The purpose was not just to show that he can feed people who are hungry or that he can perform some miracle and multiply bread and fish. The whole purpose was for Jesus to teach them what it means for him to be the bread of life. But since they cannot understand this spiritual truth, he performs a physical miracle in order to help them understand the spiritual reality of who he is. And in the same way, all the miracles that are captured in the Gospel of John are actually categorized as signs because as signposts, they point to something much bigger. A signpost is not a destination but it points you to the destination that you are going to or looking for. And John pictures miracles as signposts, that through the miracles we are able to see the wonders and the works of God at display much more beyond than what has been performed. And this is the same thought that Jesus brings in, in John chapter 9 when he answers the question about the man born blind. Basically Jesus is saying this man is blind. So that a miracle can be performed that delivers him from his blindness. But beyond the blindness being taken away, beyond this man being able to see, there is a much greater spiritual truth that you need to grasp. And if you look at verse 5, what is that great spiritual truth? Jesus says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
What is the connection between Jesus being the light of the world and this man born blind being set free or receiving his sight? Indeed, you can see that the man who was blind will receive this miracle and he will start seeing. And providing sight to this blind man is not just one of the signs that are predicted to show that Jesus is actually the promised Messiah who was to come. But Jesus will show that he is the light of the world by delivering this man from the darkness that he had been living in up until now. So there are two key lessons to grasp here. Number one, by Jesus performing the miracle, he will show who he is as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as God himself. One of the characteristics of the Messiah in the Old Testament was that he would perform miracles and wonders. So by Jesus setting this man free, he is not just showing the man to have received the miracle per se, he is actually showing himself as who he is. The promised Messiah, the Son of God, God himself, Emmanuel, God with us or among us. That is the most important lesson, that when the miracle has come, when the man has received his sight, People will not just see a blind man set free. People will see the Messiah who has come among them, whose ultimate goal is to deliver them from spiritual darkness, from the sinfulness of their hearts, from the darkness of their hearts, into the marvelous light of God's glory. If that is not understood, the blind man may have received his miracle, he may have received his sight, but what good is sight if he is still on his way to eternal destruction in hell? Receiving new, new eyes does not mean that somebody has become a believer. It takes much more than new eyes for somebody to receive eternal life. And Jesus is saying that when this miracle is performed, it will point to his identity, to who he is as the Messiah. And people having seen the miracle will put their trust in him and will find salvation in him. But also number two, Jesus will show indeed that he is the light of the world as the Messiah that he has come to get people out of the shackles of darkness where sin has held them in bondage and he will bring them into his marvelous light. So by dealing this man, Jesus demonstrates that he is the light of the world by bringing literal light to the one who had been born in darkness from birth. And in so doing, not only does he vindicate himself as the Messiah who miraculously performs miracles, but he proves himself to be the light of the world, and even more importantly, he brings glory to God. So the healing was not just only a display that Jesus can perform a miracle. The healing was not just because this man deserves to see, the healing is a sample of Jesus' ability to restore not just physical sight to this man, but spiritually blind people to receive spiritual sight from the darkness of a sinful world. When all has been said and done, it is Jesus at the center of it all. It is his identity as the Messiah and as God. It is a call to worship of this man who is the Messiah, who has confirmed his Messiahship and his ability to save by delivering this man from the darkness that had held him captive physically, but even more importantly, the darkness that had held him captive even spiritually. So what did Jesus mean 
when he said this man was born blind, so that the works of God may be put at display. Yes, indeed this man was born blind, so that at a time designed by God, in his own timing, he would demonstrate his glory. He would introduce Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. He would challenge the onlookers not only to hunger for restoration of physical eyes, but to hunger for spiritual restoration, for spiritual eyesight, for spiritual renewal, for the light of the world. Jesus Christ, who gives the light of eternity to be real in their lives. The man born blind is set free. Jesus is revealed to not only be the deliverer but the savior of the world and the onlookers put their trust in him they believe him as the savior that he is and in him they find life no wonder john later at the end of his book he could write and say that there were many signs and wonders that jesus performed but these have been written so that you may know that jesus christ is the son of god and knowing him, you may have life in his name. That is the purpose of the miracle. That is how God displays his works and wonders among his people. And that is why this man was born blind. So that God in his time would demonstrate his glory and greatness through the person of Jesus his son. And eternal life may be a reality for all those who by looking at the miracles, look at the miracle worker and believe in him and they find life. May the Lord bless you as you continue to ponder over this passage. May the Lord show you his truth and may his truth set you free. Amen. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.